0: Welcome back to the Tactics Talks Podcast, where everything we talk about is of the game and for the game of football. So this is going to be our second episode, and in this episode I'm going to talk about something that's a whole, that I hold to a very high value, and that is about the evolution of the Dutch methodology known as total football, and how the man known as Pep Guardiola managed to... Uh, adopt that methodology and uh, modify it into a methodology of his own, which is which people call tiki taka or the media calls tiki taka, but its true name is actually juego de posición or positional play in English. So that's going to be our episode for today. So, first of all, we're going to go, uh, we're going to start with a little bit of his history. Um, the first guy to really I'd say I th- I, I'm not sure if I've got this right but the most influential figure uh, in total football or the guy who actually revolutionized it according to what I remember was uh, a man known as Renus Mikel's. I don't know if I'm saying his name right I don't know if it's Renus Mitchell's or Renus Michels I don't know how it's pronounced in Dutch anyway he was the guy who actually revolutionized the concept known as total football and basically the idea behind total football is that positions do not matter, it's simple as that, meaning that according to this methodology that is instilled in most uh, Dutch teams and Dutch academies, they believe that a player should not be developed especially from a young age to be position specific meaning that a player should not learn to only play as a as a left back or center back or striker or midfielder a player should be uh developed to uh to become a complete football player and that comes in terms of technique, in terms of speed, in terms of finishing, in terms of scoring, in terms of all of his assets and attributes. In the old days, it was, it was believed that a centre-back doesn't, know, doesn't have to be able to score, or doesn't have to have a good shot, or doesn't have to have good passing. But the fact is that these days, or even upon the introduction of toe Football, It was eventually established that that can't happen. A player has to be adept at all attributes in football. It's not enough for a centre-back to just be good at defending. It's not enough for an attacker or forward to just be good at scoring. And we see that how influential that approach and that methodology has been and how it has evolved over the years. Because these days you never see you see a team defend as a whole you never see like the old days a striker stay forward and not involved uh, and not be involved in defending modern football entails that a team must attack as a whole and a team must defend as a whole meaning that the ball the first playmaker for any team especially teams that build up from the back is n- is not the centre-backs, it's not the uh, number 10, number 6, number 8, it's actually the goalkeeper and that's evident in many teams such as in Liverpool with Alisson, in Barcelona with Testegen, in uh, Manchester City with Edison. These days the playmaker in the team, the first playmaker has actually, the deepest playmaker is actually the goalkeeper Ten years ago, or twenty years ago, the deepest playmaker was considered to be the number six. They call him a deep-line playmaker, like Pirlo, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like Chavi, or whomever, you know? Or maybe Chavi Alonso, if we consider someone else, or Thiago Alcantara. These players were considered their job, their job was to actually create from behind. But these days, like I said, we find the deep line playmaker is actually the goalkeeper and all play starts from the goalkeeper. And that's why teams tend to build out from the back because their goalkeepers are becoming much more effective with the ball at their feet. So going back to the concept of total football, eventually, Rinus Michels or Rinus Mitchells, whatever his name is, sorry for for the listeners if I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, Eventually, he taught his ways to the man known as Johan Cruyff and Johan Cruyff eventually turned to coaching and he wanted to coach teams and he took everything he learned of the concept of total football and brought it to different teams and had many, a lot of success with those teams, the most notable of which were Ajax in Barcelona and he actually was the main uh, influencer behind the establishment of ideologies and philosophies at both of these clubs especially at Barcelona with his uh, encouragement to promote youth the establishment of the La Masia Academy from which we saw the rise of many many historical players like Lionel Messi, Xavi, Iniesta PK to name a few Sergio Busquets uh, and over the years hopefully and uh, with the return of uh, Laporta hopefully we'll see many more uh, play a role in the first team and eventually uh, and eventually came the return of Pep Guardiola to Barcelona after many years away developing his ideas and his approach and his own philosophy towards the beautiful game that is football and he he, for one was one of the players who played under Johan Cruyff when they were Barcelona so Pep took a lot of ideas from Johan Cruyff and he took the methodology known as total football and he morphed it into something that is his own he didn't take it as it was he rather took ideas from several places most notably from Marcelo Bielsa Uh, it was told that he actually travelled to I don't know if it was Argentina or Mexico where uh, where, where Marcelo Bielsa was residing at that time and they sat for almost an entire day talking about football and Guardiola asking him different questions about his approach and the way he analyzes but that's a story for another day, Marcelo Bielsa's a story for another day Um, so Guardiola established his philosophy or his game model or his ideas and principles on how the game should play based on different play, based on different approaches by different managers and actually, uh, ironically enough, one of, the, one of the major influences towards him establishing certain ideas on how he wants to play is actually with him at Manchester City right now. He's not very known in the football industry, not talked about enough in my personal opinion. And that is Lillio, uh, Juan Malillio, I think his name is. Uh, and he was actually a really important figure for Guardiola. Uh, at the start of his managerial career, and in the transition from uh, uh, from player to manager. So now we move to 2008 when Guardiola took over at Barcelona, and as we all know, it was the start of something really special for Barcelona. And I think Guardiola actually knew what he was about to do with Barcelona because. When they hired him there, he actually told the president back then that I will win you everything. You are going to win everything. He was that certain of, his, uh, of what he had come to do and his ideologies. And another interesting story is La Porta, Barcelona, Barcelona's president back then, He's now come back, but back then, Laporta wanted to create something new at Barcelona after the sacking of Reichard. I think his name is, again, I'm not really familiar with, this, uh, with the pronunciation, but after the sacking of the previous manager, Laporta was hesitant as to who he wanted to bring in. And a fun fact, Mourinho was on the cards as well. But Laporta decided to bring in Cruyff as an advisor. And Croyce suggested two names. He suggested Pep Guardiola. And he also suggested, according to the man himself, Michael Laudrup, who's a former Swansea City manager. Eventually, it was Guardiola who was chosen, as we all know. And the football that Barcelona played from that year 2012 was revolutionary and it actually for me it introduced a new era for football because back then it was honestly magic it was honestly something that football had never seen before the way Barcelona played it was something out of the book to be honest and even it, it was it, it was it couldn't be described back then back in the day when uh, football was mainly based on counter-attacking and and more transition-based. And then Guardiola came with this brilliant style uh, of playing uh, that involved tippy-tappy passing, tiki-taka. And that's actually where it got its name from. Because actually the the name tiki-taka came from, I think it was a broadcaster, a sports broadcaster, a Spanish one. Who was actually, um, he was actually brought, he was actually commentating for a Barcelona game, according to what I remember. And he started saying tiki taka, tiki taka, tiki taka, talking about the quick passing, the quick uh, pass and receive, pass, and receive, uh, take the ball, pass the ball, take the ball, pass the ball that the Barcelona team were playing. And something that really helped Guardiola back then was an advantage for him was that he had he had experience working with the Barcelona B team and we know that he brought up a lot of players for the Barcelona B team most notably uh, Sergio Busquets who we know had a very um, had a very uh, brilliant career uh, since he was brought into the first team um, so if we want to talk about a go into uh, Barcelona's style of play under Pep Guardiola in a bit more depth and Pep Guardiola's philosophy as a whole, as they call it, or his game model. We need to talk about the misconception as to how it's played and the purpose behind playing this way. People believe that the reason Guardiola wants to keep the ball and have so much possession is because he does not like the opposition to have the ball and he has said that he said he doesn't he, he doesn't trust uh, when the opposition have the ball he doesn't like it he believes that you are defending by just having the ball keeping the ball is a way of defending because if the opposition do not have the ball they cannot score that is true but the main aim behind keeping the ball and moving the ball and playing at least 20 passes before progressing with the ball is actually to move the opponent it's moving the ball to move the opponent why are we moving the opponent? we're moving the opponent to create gaps in their defensive structure because if the opponent has to shift side to side constantly then they are going to create or there are going to be gaps produced because there is no consistency in their shifting. Eventually, there is going to be a gap available in between the lines. And that's when Barcelona strike. When the perfect opportunities uh, uh, arose, that's when they struck. That's when you saw them move forward quickly with the ball. We saw it so many times with the Barcelona side. On their way to the first, to their first Champions League title, uh, to their first treble, and to their second Champions League title in 2011, um on their way to the their La Liga titles under Guardiola and the Copa del Rey under Guardiola. We saw it we saw it so many times and it was beautiful to watch to be honest. But I just wanted to uh, clarify the idea behind it. Again, it's not about keeping the ball for the sake of keeping the ball and this is a massive misconception for people people believe that a team is dominant if they just keep the ball that's not necessarily true you could keep the ball for so long but not be doing anything with it if you're just playing horizontally across the pitch without any proper penetration then you might as well just give the ball to the hand the ball to the opposition because you're not doing anything with it if you are not progressing the ball with your possession then there is then you're not doing anything and it's just possession for the sake of keeping it, and it basically, um, it basically spoils the whole idea, if you want to put it that way. So again, the idea is move the ball to move the opponent, and you move the opponent to create space, and this is actually Part of my ideology and part of my conception of the game of football. Football is about space. It's all about a game of spaces. It's about creating maximum space when you have the ball. And it's about constricting space when the opposition have the ball and when you're against the ball. And that's something, actually, that I took from positional play, from juego de posición whenever you again whenever you have the ball you're looking to create space you're looking to move into space that's the whole idea and the whole point of the game whenever a player on your team your teammate moves off the ball then they leave space in behind and that space in behind is probably gonna can be exploited by a teammate it could be exploited by you it could be exploited by the ball carrier it's always about creating and exploiting space and whenever you do not have the ball it's about constricting space especially in key areas such as the area in front of your goal not only that but also positional play is all about positioning it's about distributing your players equally across the pitch so that you're making use of the proper width and proper depth of the pitch and based on that guardiola uh, came up with his uh, revolutionary 20 zone pitch divisions. And for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, you can just Google it. You could just uh, type in Guardiola uh, pitch divisions or the five vertical zones and uh, it will come up. Okay. And again, he had his players position or distribute themselves based on specific rules that satisfied these divisions. Most notably, one was that no more than two players could be in a single vertical zone. There were five vertical zones, two wings, two half spaces or channels, and the single center. And he established the rule that no more than two or three players can be in a single vertical zone. And the reason behind that is to... again, make use of the full width and depth of the pitch, no two players could be in the same vertical line, that's very logical, the reason being is that they would then be blocking off passing options to each other, and no two players could be on the same horizontal line, and that is efficient uh, efficient to uh, promote diagonality in play, and increase passing options. So that was the idea behind Guardiola's approach. It was about creating the perfect distribution, the perfect structure to progress the ball. And every player knew their role on the pitch. And every player knew exactly what they had to do and how they had to do it on the pitch. And that's why we saw so much cohesion in the way Barcelona played back then. And we still see cohesion. We still saw cohesion even when he moved to Bayern Munich and to Manchester City. Um, so, another thing we want to talk about is how uh, Guardiola took the principles of total football and brought them or, and, and uh, implemented them in his own ideology, in his own philosophy of positional play. The earliest Guardiola sides would have their fullbacks overlap, would have their fullbacks backs push very high. Um, the most symbolic play of that is Dani Alves. Dani Alves would stay very high when Barcelona were attacking, and then many a time it would cost them because he would maraud too high, and then the opposition would make use of the space he left behind him to transition into. And this is still a strategy... That a lot of teams use against positional play teams uh, to show you how popular it has become and how trendy uh, one would say it has become these days. It's honestly revolutionised the game. It's revolutionised the game. So many teams use it. Uh, another thing that I found out the other day, I, I've I've seen this on social media, but if you go into Google Maps and like you like. Uh, try and get a satellite feed of uh, uh, the Manchester City uh, training uh, training facilities, right? And you just hover over the different uh, football pitches that they've got. You'll see one of them is actually divided into zones, into the five vertical zones. And if you go all the way to, to Germany and Bayern Munich, you will also find that they have a pitch that is divided into the five vertical zones to show how much influence Guardiola had on football as a whole. Um, Anyway, uh, now one thing has to be mentioned that a lot of Guardiola's ideas, he did not create himself, rather he took them or stole them from different places. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa has highlighted, actually, it's it's a really brilliant quote from him, I don't really remember the quote per se uh, verbatim, but I do know that he mentions that a coach is as good as the ideas he steals. Meaning that a lot of coaches steal ideas from other coaches, but they make they put them to good use. And that's something that he's done. He's made a living out of stealing other coaches' ideas. <laughs> and that's something really ironic considering... Um, considering uh, the way he works he's called a loco for a reason uh, but going back to Guardiola uh, now moving um, moving a little bit um, into depth on the tactical aspects of how he transitioned from but having uh, a side with Xavi Niniesta Iniesta and Lionel Messi in it to a side with Frank Ribery and Arjen Robin in it uh, and Philippe Lam to a side that had Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sané in it, and how he has adjusted his system over the years. Something that Guardiola gives really importance to is the maintenance of principles. The maintenance of principles, but adjusting your system to your players. What does this mean? It actually means that... There, the the way of playing stays the same. It doesn't change. We've seen it with uh, uh, with uh, Barcelona. We've seen it Bayern Munich. We've seen it with Man City. We see that overall the way of playing in nature is still the same. The principles are still there. It's always steady build up, building out from the back, um, creating superiority. Something that I forgot to mention. Uh, whether it be numerical superiority positional superiority qualitative superiority uh, the qualitative one we're going to talk about in uh, in detail when we get to Manchester City um but also the uh, disregard of specific positions rotations etc these things were all present in all of the sides that Guardiola coached but his system's change based on the players at his disposal. If you've got a side that has Xavi, Iniesta and Messi in it, then you obviously want to create a system that gives these players the liberty to create, to thrive. And for that reason, the system Guardiola used at Barcelona would always be based on these three players. That is why he put Messi in the false nine role. That is why um, we always saw Iniesta moving up with the ball, dribbling, creating. We all. That's why we always saw Chavi uh, being the distributor in midfield. It's because the system was built around these three players. And something that was uh, that I took that I'm going to take from the documentary, uh, take the ball, pass the ball. Um, about Guardiola and his days of Barcelona Chavi was actually initially when Guardiola came in Chavi was actually thinking about considering leaving the club because he wasn't sure if he had a future or if he was in Guardiola's plans and he went over to Guardiola and he actually asked him am I in your plans for this season and the one thing Guardiola said to him which is something that still <laughs> makes me makes me laugh till this day is that I have I have a uh, um, I have created so many different systems for the the site, the Barcelona that I've got now, and you're in every single one of them to show how pivotal Xavi was to Pep Guardiola and his um, and his concept as to how he wanted his uh, Barcelona side to play. But eventually, some uh, stuff happened and he moved on to Bayern Munich. And in Bayern Munich, we saw the introduction of what is known as the inverted fullback, which is still something that we see him do these days, or we see his side implement these days, especially with Juan Juan, Cancelo inverting into midfield. Back then, it was Philipp Lahm and I think David Alaba who would do it. And the reason he used to do that was he noticed that in Germany, they were really efficient at counterattacking. And every time he would try and attack with five players, it would leave spaces in behind. And there would be no cover f- for those spaces. So he wanted to create a system where he would make the best out of his top players at Bayern. And his top players at Bayern were not in midfield. His top players at Bayern were out on the wings. And they were Arjen Robben and Frank Ribéry. So he wanted to create a system where these two players could thrive. But at the same time, he wanted to create a system that, was still, that still had support at the back, that still had cover at the back. So the system he made at Bayern Munich and the transition he made at Bayern Munich was that rather than have his wingers invert, which is something he used to do at Barcelona, meaning that they'd come inside to allow the fullbacks to overlap, Instead, he would keep his wingers high and wide in order to isolate Robin and Ribery in one v ones, and this is why I come back to the qualitative advantage principle: is that whenever you have a very skillful winger who's capable of getting past his player against the opposition fullback, that you, and you trust that player to be able to be capable in one v one situations, that you will want to encourage him. To get into these 1v1s and you will want your system built around the idea of these players getting into 1v1 situations and that's exactly what Guardiola tried to do at Bayern Munich and what he tried to do at Manchester City and still tries to do at Manchester City. Um, So he kept his wingers high and wide at Bayern Munich but at the same time that meant that his fullbacks couldn't overlap and they wouldn't join the attack right so he thought okay they're not joining the attack so what good are they right i know i'll invert them and again he has mentioned very recently that this concept of invertible fullbacks is not something he came up with It's something he 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 uh, took from other coaches or he saw over the years and the main reason he did it, as we mentioned, and this is something he's mentioned, is that in Germany they are very dangerous on counter attacks, so you need as much cover as possible. So that is why he he saw the quality in his fullbacks to be able to play in midfield, and he tried to invert them. And the most important player uh, who practiced the inverted fullback role at Bayern Munich was actually Philipp Lahm, and everyone knew uh, the quality he had and the potential he had to play. In such a role. Fast forward a few years, he moves to Manchester City, and it's still the same uh, ideas and the same system because now he's got Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sane. Both are very good in one v one situations. So again, same principle. He kept his wingers high and wide, and he would invert his fullbacks. His fullbacks back then were Kyle Walker and. According to what I remember, I think he inverted Fabian Delph. He converted him into a left back and had him play that inverted role, according to what I remember. Another player he used was uh, Zinchenko, who, interestingly enough, was originally a number 10. And he had him invert into midfield and convert to a fullback just to... Just to serve that purpose. Until now, he is still being used as a left back. So again, he kept his wings high and wide. And now he introduced a concept known as the underlap, which was which was much more prolific with Manchester City, where he had his um, attacking midfielders, mainly De Bruyne and David Silva, underlapping the channels when the fullback stepped out to challenge the winger so let's just you know just give an example let's assume that Leroy Sané had the ball the full opposition fullback stepped out to challenge him in a in the 1v1 duel but we know according to spaces that when a defender steps out that's going to leave space in behind the defender so that space can be exploited by a teammate of Leroy Sané and normally that space was exploited by Kevin De Bruyne And based on that, again, Guardiola thrived on that system and it actually, uh, sorry, Manchester City thrived on that system. And so did Guardiola, obviously, as I mentioned, and that actually got them uh, a Premier League title back in the 2017-18 season. Then the season after, we actually saw Guardiola go back to um, some of his, uh, go back to some of his older rotation Rotational systems, meaning that we'd see the traditional overlapping fallback in Benjamin Mendy when he came back from injury, um, and even we saw Kyle Walker sometimes also go back to that role of the overlapping, um, the overlapping fallback. But fast forward to today, and We've, we've seen that actually now City are back to their best after having a disastrous season last year and even having a really bad start to this season. Guardiola mentioned the fact that they had, str- they had strayed uh, too far away from their original principles and their original uh, approach to how they wanted to play and they went back to the basics. They went back to their roots. And based on that... Again, if we watch Manchester City, we still see. The high and wide wingers, something that hasn't changed. But now we also see the constant implementation of a false nine. And we also see the inverted fallback in Cancelo or Zinchenko. And we now also see the use of a back three. And the newest trend in Guardiola's methodology, or Guardiola's system, is having one of his midfielders move out wide and then back inside. And this is where it starts to get interesting. Because, let's consider that one of the midfielders moved out wide to receive. The opposition are in a conundrum, because if one of their players now follows that midfielder wide then that leaves space in the middle. But if they don't follow the midfielder that moved out wide, then that leaves space for the midfielder to receive and cut inside with the ball. And when you've got players like Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva moving out wide to receive and then cutting inside into midfield, then that's asking for trouble. So it's a lose-lose situation for the opposition, as are many of Guardiola's patterns and Guardiola's um, strategies. For instance, if we go back to the um, to the example of Leroy Sané receiving, the fullback steps out. If the fullback were to stay with the underlapping player or the player running into the channel, then that would just create space for Leroy Sané to be able to cross. So it's again another lose-lose situation. Another example is that of the false nine. Let's assume that the striker dropped into midfield. If the centre-back follows him, that leaves space for one of the two wingers to run into and receive in behind. And if the centre-back doesn't follow the striker who drops into midfield, then now Manchester Manchester City or Barcelona or whoever it may be, the Guardiola team, has plus one in midfield. So now they have a numerical superiority in midfield. So either way, again, it's a lose-lose situation. So it just goes to show how influential Guardiola's ideas have been over the over over the years and how well he has adapted his principles or not much his principles the principles have stayed the same but how he's adapted his systems to the players at his disposal but I just want to end this episode with the big question would Guardiola be as good as he is and would it would his teams be as good as they are if he didn't have uh, the investment that he had and if he didn't have the quality that he had uh, or that he has at the moment at Manchester City or that he had at Barcelona or that he had at Bayern Munich. It's a very debatable question, but I would agree, yes, it wouldn't be as good if he did not have the financial support, because in order to um, in order to apply such a system, uh, you need top players. You need really technical and top top players that can read the game real quick or really quickly. So, if you were to try and implement that system, I don't know, at a smaller club or maybe a club with not. Uh, not uh not as much quality as Manchester City or Barcelona or Bayern Munich, it might not work. That's my personal opinion. Now time has shown that a lot of teams have tried to to create their or coaches have tried to create their own adaptation of the Juego de Posición model. Uh, and for some it has actually proven to be a success. For others it hasn't. Um, but again, no matter what you you can't have You can't force a system on players that are not suited to that system. It's just the way it is. It's always about playing to your players' strengths. So for certain teams with certain player profiles, juego de posición doesn't work. And that's why, let's assume Guardiola went to Crystal Palace and tried to play juego de posición. It's not going to work because he doesn't have the player profiles that are needed to play in such a way. Because the Crystal Palace players are suited to play as they are playing now under Roy Hodgson, because he's found the best fit for them. They're they're really uh, strong, athletic players that are extremely dangerous on transi- transition. And the uh, and the most obvious example of that are players like Wilfred Zaha and Andros Townsend, who are lethal on the counter. Um, so that was just a little. Um, a little talk about Pep Guardiola and his development over the years and a little bit of a, and a little bit of a brief not so much a brief but a little bit of detail on his uh, way of playing and the important principles that he uh, always wants uh, that he always bases his style of play on but still how flexible he could be in adapting his system based on the player profiles that he has. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next one, I guess.